Hi folks, I am Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 31st, 2010. I always start off the show by getting my own pitch in, but I advise newcomers to look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and you'll find hundreds of hours of talks that I've given over the years for download for free. And while you're at it, remember to bookmark all the other sites you'll see listed because I get problems once in a while with the main com site. If you bookmark them, you'll always get the latest shows uh, from one of these alternate sites. Now, they all carry transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given also in, in English. If you want to print up the transcripts, uh, you can also get them in other languages if you want to go into alanwattsentinel.eu, and you'll find them there. And they all carry the same audios as well. So it's quite a variety to choose from. And remember, too, that you bring this host to you because um, you pretty well help me just tick along. Uh, I don't ask advertisers on the show. The ads you hear on this show uh, pay for the airtime. It's paid directly to RBN. I've got nothing to do with it uh, by the advertisers. And that pays for RBN staff and equipment, their bills, and all the rest of it that we have to do ourselves, in fact, in our own homes. So help me out with mine, and you can do so by purchasing the books I've got for sale, the CDs, the discs, and so on, uh, that I've got up there. There's not much because I don't have time to do too much. I could really churn stuff out if I had more time to myself. But even today, I was fixing the brakes on the truck. And so that goes with stacking wood as well for the winter. That's how it goes. So as I say, you can help me with mine. Remember, the U.S. to Canada, you can order from with a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order from the post office. Uh, you can use cash. And you can use PayPal to donate or to purchase. If you want to purchase, send a separate email after the, the PayPal donation, a separate email with your name and your address and the order, and I'll get it out to you. Same across the rest of the world. Some people still use Western Union. They're kind of expensive for their fee. Uh, MoneyGram's an alternative, cash and PayPal to donate or to purchase. It's up to you. But donations, believe you me, are appreciated because there's not too many of them. And they, they just die off if I don't keep reminding people. They just die off completely, in fact. And we live in a time of information overload. That's part of the structural plan, of course. You can't really focus on much when you're getting bombarded from so many sides with crisis after crisis, even though a lot of them are really fictitious and other ones are blown out of proportion. And um, the mainstream media, of course, and uh, is, is the main point for this kind of stuff. They, they push hype and... Uh, and fear, and then it's forgotten about with the new hype and fear of the next day. That's how you're kept off balance. What you have to do is zone in on certain areas. There are not too many to cover. Generally, what's happening to the world, and your world, of course, because you must be concerned, obviously, about yourself, in order to save yourself and help other people come through the worst time of changes the world's ever really seen. We are going through... Changes the big boys at the top, even Al Gore said it himself and other ones, 
that are equivalent, if not bigger, than the Industrial Revolution, when millions of people were forced off their farms across Europe into the, these factory towns that they'd built uh, to mass produce various goods for consumption. Uh, it's very similar to that. But beyond that, they've used incredible psychologies, incredible psychologies for behaviorism to bring up the societies and the generations which they wanted. And they've certainly got the right kind now. They've given them a form of moral relativism, I should say, um, where nothing really is morally correct or incorrect. That way they can be guided so easily into any kind of system which is planned for them. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. The matrix is a system into which you're born. It pre-existed your birth, of course, and also your parents too. And they didn't know there was anything wrong. They were just as, as puzzled as you were, or content. That's either way, you see. We go through contentment and puzzlement alternately. And uh, and most folk never figure out what's really going on. They can't believe that countries would, would um, go to war because there's a big master plan, for instance, even though... If you look into the histories of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, uh, which is also called the Council on Foreign Relations, and it's worldwide, now of course it's worldwide, uh, they planned to take over the world by a sequence of wars. And their own official historian uh, documented it uh, in his own book, Tragedy and Hope, and the other book, The Anglo-American Establishment. Uh, you've got to read them to see how they planned this. And now most folk can't read these books now anymore. It's, it's kind of like... Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike. Uh, the, the Masons brought out a, a new version of Bridge to Light uh, in kind of simple read, you might call it, for today's society because today's society cannot hold a thought through a whole paragraph anymore. Well, it's the same thing, you see, um, with the book uh, Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment. There's so much detail in there. Most folk lose interest after a, a few minutes. They just don't want to follow it through. And the same people, mind you, will go scour the internet for the most sensational stuff to keep them uh, amused, I would say, because, you see, there is a conspiracy um, fad going on. It's a big fad. Lots of folk want to be conspiracy theorists, and they scour the, the, the sites, they mix it with the new, way, new Age, and they combine it together to sounds that's really farcical. And, of course, that does a great job of being disingenuous to those who are trying to give out the basic facts on the matter. It's a great form of counterintelligence. That's what you do. If you want to discredit something and you can't discredit pure facts, put out your own guys there who will mix fact with fiction and promote them to the top until they're, they're well-known and then they'll, they'll basically, you're lumped in with them whether you like it or not, even though you're still giving out the plain facts and no lizard people or anything like that. That's how counterintelligence works. Now, the CFR, of course, the Council on Foreign Relations, that, that were part of this ongoing intergenerational groups. And Quigley actually said in it, in fact, he says you need foundations to bring a, a world plan uh, from inception to completion because it's intergenerational. And a foundation doesn't have to uh, pander to the public. 
They can work in secrecy if they wish to. Um, and they can hire and retire and hire and retire for generations until their mission is accomplished. That's how easy it is. And that's why he called it the parallel government, the real government. I think the, the governments, they get things really done and they're not answerable to the general populations of the countries they're manipulating. <laughs> but you tie that in, of course, with what was happening through the 20th century with the two world wars that brought in the United Nations, first the League of Nations, then the United Nations, exactly what they wanted at the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They put up the the idea for it, that it all worked out to set up the League of Nations. They were the guys who brought Bernays over, a very, very young Bernays, who obviously was not trained just by his uncle Freud, but somebody much, much higher than that, uh, to help set up the League of Nations and how to manipulate the feelings and emotions of the people so that they'd forgive or forgo their sovereignty. They hoped they'd forgo their sovereignty at that time after World War I and, and combine under a world government. But it wasn't to be just that. People were a bit kind of uh, shy at handing it over, so they had World War II. And many of their, their acquaintances that worked for them in the same big club at the top including H.G. Wells, said the same thing in one of his own books. He says, you know, they're not ready to give up their sovereignty. We need another war. And bingo, you had World War II came along. Uh, That's what wars are really fought for. That's what they're really fought for. And Quigley said it himself. You can get more done on a social change of all sides. Whoever's involved in the conflict, guided social change, more done in five years of war than you can in 50 years of propaganda and peace. That's why they love wars, and they've got a war on terror, of course, and everything's changing rapidly. You have no rights now. Rights are just a nuisance. They get in the way of being ordered around, and uh, that's even been said openly by people from Britain, top eugenicists on BBC4 just last week, in a debate about eugenics and a debate about sterilization of the unfit, as they, they deem them. Nothing changes. Elitists run this world, and they have their spokesmen down below that communicate to us. And these are low-level characters, big salaries but low-level. If you see them on television, if you hear them on the radio, debating this stuff, and there there may be a director of a few organizations, they're low-level. They're still um, within visible reach, basically, of the general public. Uh, but their job is that of the kind of grey men. They call them the grey men in the business. The guys go who go between the general public or prime ministers or presidents and the guys who really run the world, the grey men. That's what it means. But you tie that in with George Orwell's predictions, and he had to write his predictions in a, in a novel form. Uh, he also knew uh, that at that time that he was alive, and rep the present time, novels are uh, well-funded into existence. The big hit novels are well-funded because the authors are given the key areas to write the story around. It's called predictive programming. It gets you familiar with an idea, and then uh, it bypasses your sensor because you're not you're not worried about it. It seems to be non non-fiction, and. Um, or fiction it is. Therefore, you don't need to worry if it's just fiction, entertainment. But that's how easy it is to put ideas into your head until something that, that is presented as a possibility in the near future becomes a reality and you, you adapt to it very easily because you've, you're familiar with the concept now. It's embedded in your mind. 
And you would even say to yourself, well, I guess it was inevitable it had to come. And that's what people obviously do say. They also talked about the time of tracking and tracing that would come into this um, brave new world that we're into. They've already basically conquered uh, a lot of brave new worlds, um, of Huxley's brave new world, uh, with um, the sexual uh, morality of today where anything goes. That was all part of it. And folk think that they won that somehow themselves by being liberated somehow. Uh, no, that was all done from the top. Even the top characters involved in creating the cultures for the 60s onwards admitted that. Uh, so did Russell himself, Bertrand Russell. He says they think they've won their own independence and women's liberty. He says, no, we gave it all to them. Science gave it to them. And science promoted it. And big bucks promoted it. Not for their benefit so they could go out and have what they thought was going to be a good time, but to double the tax base, number one, destroy the family unit, number two, and to bring them into a state where no one would breed anymore. They can go through the motions of breeding, like Aldo Huxley's brother said, uh, Julian Huxley, uh, at UNESCO, he says, yep, they can, they can go to it like bunny rabbits, but as long as there's no children, that's the only thing we want. And the more partners they have, the less chances they'll, they'll meet up with anybody for life. So, did you really run your own life? Did you really think you were running your own life up, up until now? Did you really think all the music industry and so on was there just to please you and uh, your generation? Now I'm talking not just the, the, this generation, um, the, 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 the rock uh, generation, uh, or even the Elvis Presley generation, or even before that, the Frank Sinatra generation. They, they controlled every single one of them. Last night, I went over uh, a series, or at the start of a series of uh, documentaries about Bernays, for instance, that you've got to see, and I'll try and find the link put up again tonight, where he helped to, to shape. He, was to, he worked with the presidents of the U.S., and he helped create American culture. And he got women to smoke by making them think that they were liberating themselves into a man's world. He understood perfectly what he was doing and how they would respond and he also got them eventually to drink as well in bars into a man's world. Yeah, we're doing that. Yeah, we have the right. No, this wasn't that at all. It was to alter the society in the U.S. so, so greatly that it would never go back to what it was. Not for their benefit, for the public's benefit, but for the benefit of the rulers. And these master magicians are still at it. In fact, Bernays is, I think it's, his, or it's Freud's nephew, and Bernays was a nephew of Freud, but uh, another nephew is still working uh, the, the British government, yet they're top propagandists today, shaping the, the new culture for the new Britain out of a mismatch of old cultures where there's no culture left at all. We don't realize that almost everything we do, um, the fads that you go through, even the hobbies you pick up, are all promoted to you from the top down. Very few folk really know where their ideas come from. They don't even ask where they're coming from. They just accept them. They learn by osmosis, as Jacques Elon said. And it's so true. Years ago I said, you know, they always start with the elderly, with a program, because the elderly, you see, in a, in a society where we've trained, everyone's been trained that this is a young generation, old is bad and young is good. The reason they did that was to separate the generations so that the elderly would have no respect and would have no communication with the young and then pass on any 
uh, ideals to the young or ability even to survive to them. That was part of it, a big part of it. And everyone's terrified now of getting becoming 25 or older. That's not normal, folks. Why do you think that was designed? It was designed for you. And you know, the music industry at the very, very top, the guys who decide who's going to be number one, two, three, four, five, and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's not young people who decide that for you. It's very old people in business suits. Same with all the, all the movies you're going to watch and be number and really big hits and full of predictive programming. It's not young people. It's very old people. And yet these are the guys who give you a youth culture to society to copy. Quite fascinating, isn't it? Now, I think that's the music coming in. It's very faint. We're back after these messages. I'm back, we're cutting through the matrix and talking about how the big boys never change their formulas. When formulas work, you never have to change them. Plato said the same thing. If you, people have done anything at all in the past, you can get them to do the exact same thing. If you know the formula, introduce it in the same way, and it will always work on humanity. We've been observed for thousands and thousands of years. And of course this kind of stuff, uh, and, and I'm sure these archives are not shown to the general public, but they do have them for certain professors. I know that for a fact, because some have told me that one in 80, one in 85 professors in certain areas are allowed into certain archives. And that is the truth, where the real stuff is, not the rubbish you get in school. But um, they, then go, they go for the young after they've gone for the elderly. That's typical. See, the elderly are out the picture, as I say, they're, they're, they're past it, as it's, it's drummed in, it's in all the movies. Oh, they're past it, they're irrelevant, they're always senile in the movies, you'll notice. They're always going senile. And, um, and so no one's going to stand up for them, and they don't have the cash really to stand up for themselves. The next bunch don't have cash, and they don't have the wisdom, or the vocabulary, or even the knowledge to stand up for themselves, or the young, and they go for the young always to change society. It's easy to change society and guide it along when you're in charge of a worldwide educational system, run through UNESCO, put through your own national teachers' associations into the curriculums, and you're all getting taught the same thing across the globe. Quite simple. And, of course, I've gone through the book by Julian Huxley, the guy who was the first CEO of UNESCO, United Nations Educational Group, and uh, he made it quite clear what the plans were for students. Bypass the elderly, indoctrinate the youth into a new system, a new way of thinking, which won't even be their own, remember. When you, all, when you think you're getting liberated, no, no you're not. You're, being, you're just being programmed with a new program, that's all. So here's a story here that ties right in with it, and it's from the KTVU San Francisco. Where else? And it says, uh, Richmond Preschool outfits the students with tracking devices. You see? And we've all got used to the idea of it. It's been in all major media, so what's the big deal about it? Again, that's how your predictive programming works. And then again, it's just, this is preschoolers, it's not me, I'm okay, it'll never happen to me. And again, that works that way too. So this is August the 17th, um, the Contra... Costa County School District began introducing a new high-tech tracking system for preschool students Tuesday that alert teachers when their students leave campus. 
embedded in what looks like a tiny basketball jersey that each student will wear when at school is a radio frequency tag that also uses Wi-Fi. The tag provides a signal to sensors planted throughout the school. The information from these sensors is displayed in a map of the school, thereby allowing teachers and administrators to know exactly where they are. Parents will digitally sign in and sign out a child, saving teachers from hand-filing attendance records required by the state. And now when we feed the children lunch, we just have to push a button and it's done, said teacher Simon Beaufort. It's so easy, it's so convenient, isn't it? We don't have to check the papers, check the papers, check the papers. Son came of the country, the counties. You know, he's pushing this too. It's a very, it's a, it's a chip bunch that's a, that's a Masonic chip. The Masons, the, another big charitable organizations that shuts all their windows when they have their little parades inside there around their altar uh, and do weird things. Uh, you know, the church with no windows, as they call it. They're the guys who are pushing this nationwide. This Freemasonry, the charitable bunch, the do-gooders, you know. They keep secrets of blood oaths if they ever if they ever um, disclose what they're learned. Really, what they'll what they'll get is a, a bloody ending if they disclose all the bribes and hand kickbacks they get for running their little town, village, or city. <laughs> That's really what's about. But back to the story, it says they say that it would save fifty thousand um, uh, dollars. Uh, Three thousand man hours would be saved for fifty thousand dollar system, which was paid for by a federal grant. So there's the feds involved to making sure the children, of course. Same thing as the roads and that. If you want to uh, go along with the agenda in your estate, uh, you, you, you you need money from the feds to help finance the roads. And in comes all the different rules and regulations you have to comply with, and the feds get their way. It also means all the data on the children, of course, which has always been going that way. It goes back to federal departments where they check to see who everybody is, follow them through life. So, so within a year, we could completely pay off the system from the savings we have with the staffing, said Kim. We're the first child care center that has implemented uh, with this technology, but it's already proven technology. It's already proven technology. But so was that and bomb, you know, but you don't want to drop that in your school, do you? So their, their, their arguments for it are ridiculous. But what's new in the world, eh? And no doubt that's a PR handout by a combination of the company that made it, made it. And the school that I'm sure got some payoffs as well for implementing it. That's how the real world does work. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, they go for the youth. And the youth, of course, will be almost alien to the ones, to their parents when, they're, when those children grow up to about 20. The world they will experience is even more integrated into the brave new world scenario. Absolutely integrated into it. They'll think nothing of, of different kinds getting cloned. It'll be all quite normal to them. Uh, they're hedonistic. They're taught to be hedonistic and self-centered. It's just me. It's all about me. And um, they let anything happen in the world or to others as long as it's not me. That's their, that's their thinking. It's very simple. They're egocentric. They're taught to avoid pain and seek pleasure. And that's what they do. That was all written down in, in the, the big agenda by Bertrand Russell. They've created the very system they talked about. But everyone thinks they're being freed. Oh, we're free now. I'm doing this. I chose that. And then I'll be back with more on the big agenda after this break.
are listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. I was reading an article where one of the big enviro groups had done their poll, which of course you can trust, right? They're, they're an advocacy group uh, working for the big boys, the big boys up there with the Sierra Club and all the rest of it, incredibly well funded. They supposedly did a poll uh, which turned out that most American voters want government to put more restrictions and so on uh, over carbon and and, and uh, uh, wildlife and all the rest of it and, and the urban sprawl and all that kind of stuff to do with nasty humans, you see. And you look into who who these, this, this particular charity group is, the Natural Resources Defense Council. It's a New York City-based, non-profit, non-partisan, international environmental advocacy group with offices in Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, and Beijing. You know, it's a little charity, you know, Tin Can Guys. Founded in 1970, it says they have 1.3 million members and online activists nationwide and a staff of more than 300 scientists, attorneys, and other specialists. They sue governments, these guys, if they say that they're breaking environmental treaty laws that they signed at the United Nations and so on. So that's who put out this, this impartial poll, you know, nonsense. See, no, no, no poll that they put out is ever really a true poll. Polls, if you read the history of polls, it's in, in Bernays too, he was part of that idea. Uh, most folk will go along with what they think the majority went along with, so they'll be for it too. And that's the idea. They'll give you a, a, a figure with something, and you say, gee, I'm surprised that 70% of people would go along with that. And, but then you join them thinking, because you want to be with a group, right? That's how, that's how the mob thinks, the, the mob herd mentality. So they put out this thing uh, about um, how they cut back in urban sprawl and all that stuff and really hem humans in. Obviously not themselves, because they're probably so incredibly wealthy they won't live where you'll be made to live. And it's interesting that even Julian Huxley talked about the problem of how many people do you leave on the rural lands. Eventually, even the UN has said the same thing. Um, eventually, it'll only be some of the, a few of the very wealthy who'll be able to live in the country. They want everyone else crammed into the city for Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century from the United Nations. That's why they're hammering the rural areas with taxes and inspections and all the rest of it from different government agencies. So here they go on with that, and then you, you look at um, this site I put up tonight, tonight too, the link to our goal, uh, Al Gore site. <laughs> Mr. Allegory himself, uh, the guy who they just can't keep down, apparently. And um, that was no pun intended. But anyway, uh, it's called Climate News. This is his site. And the whole thing's like one, it's like a whole list of horror movie titles about Asia's glaciers in retreat could signal crop failure and flooding in the future. Sea level likely to rise up to 70 centimetres by 2010. Oh, my God. Climate change identified as extinction threat in nearly 60 species. Report warns of man-made threats to Grand Canyon National Park. Oh, dear God. Oh, help, help, you see. And that's Al Gore's rubbish. And that's what they live on is utter rubbish and easy access to the media, which these pals own. So that's how the, the big boys guide us along into their agenda always. We're always living in their agenda. 
Every, for the last four or five generations, we've been living in their agenda. Quite, quite, really under it too. And then you, you read this article here, and it's from the Telegraph, uh, August the 31st. And it says here, the rise of sea levels is the greatest lie ever told. The uncompromising verdict of Dr. Mornay is that all this talk about the sea rising is nothing but a colossal scare story, writes Christopher Booker. If one uh, thing more than any other is used to justify proposals that the world must spend tens of trillions of dollars, that's your tax money, of course, on combating global warming, it's the belief that we face a disastrous rise in sea levels. The Antarctic and Greenland ice caps will melt, we're told. Warming oceans will expand and the result will be catastrophe. Although the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change only predicts a sea level rise of 59 centimetres at 17 inches by 21,000, Al Gore, in his Oscar-willing film, uh, An Inconvenient Truth, I call it a spoof, uh, went much further uh, talking of 20 feet and showing computer graphics of cities such as Shanghai and San Francisco half underwater. We all know the graphics showing central London in similar plight. As for tiny island nations such as the Moldavs and Pavula, as Prince Charles likely, likely to tell us, and that the Archbishop of Canterbury was again parroting last week, they're due to vanish altogether. So, he says, but if there's one scientist who knows more about sea levels than anyone else in the world, it's the Swedish geologist and physicist Niels Axel Mornier, formerly chairman of the INQUA, International Commission on Sea Level Change. An uncompromising verdict of Dr. Mornier, who for 35 years has been using every known scientific method to study sea levels all over the globe, is that all this talk about the sea rising is nothing but a colossal scare story. Despite fluctuations down as well as up, the sea is not rising, he says. It hasn't risen for 50 years. If there's any rise in the century, it will not be more than 10 centimetres, with an uncertainty of plus or minus 10 centimetres. And quite apart from examining the hard evidence, he says, the elementary laws of physics, which is latent heat needed to melt the ice, tell us that the apocalypse conjured up by Al Gore and company could not possibly come about. The reason why Dr. Morney, formerly a Stockholm professor, is so certain that these claims about sea level rises are 100% wrong is that they are all based on computer model predictions, whereas his findings were based on going into the field to observe what is actually happening in the real world. See, these computer predictions, uh, they build the computers to make the predictions. Uh, so they get the predictions that they want. It's kind of like these fortune-telling places, you know. I've heard now they even have computer ones that tell your future. And it's much the same as that, you know. You, you, you'll go and get your happy stuff. If you pay, the more bucks you pay, the happier your, your prediction will be. When running the International Commission on Sea Level Change, he launched a special project on the Maldives, whose leaders have for 20 years been calling for vast sums of international aid to stave off disaster. Six times he and his expert team visit the islands to confirm that the sea has not risen for half a century. Before announcing his findings, he offered to show the inhabitants a film explaining why they had nothing to worry about. The government refused to let it be shown. <laughs> it was after the cash, right? Mm. They did the same thing in, in Tavula, where local leaders have been calling for inhabitants to be, to be evacuated for 20 years. And the sea has, if anything, dropped in recent decades. The only evidence the scaremongers can cite is based on the fact that extracting groundwater for pineapple growing has allowed seawater to seep in to replace it. Meanwhile, Venice has been sinking rather than the Adriatic rising, says Dr. Mornier. 
So you're run by all these fake stories that come from very official-sounding uh, organizations uh, who are all after a global agenda. And remember, we're, the whole agenda is to be based on a post-consumerist society. I've gone over the articles where they say this society must be authoritarian in nature. It's not democratic, so we're post-democratic. That came from the Club of Rome. And they want a, a society where we jump and we jump. They tell us to jump, we jump in the direction that they tell us to jump. They want us crammed in together into the cities where we'll die off quietly over the next uh, 30 to 40 to 50 years. Uh, very quickly, I've actually, because the Rockefeller Foundation came out recently and said they're co- now calling for rapid depopulation. The, the standard sterilization of the males isn't good enough for them. They want rapid depopulation to, to commence. They haven't said exactly how they manage, how they're going to do it. But uh, that's what the whole key is. So therefore, all the money, you see, uh, that you used to have to spend on consumerism, uh, now you're in a post-consumer society, you can't go buying all that stuff that goes to waste and gets tossed out. Uh, You're going to get tax on everything that you purchase, called an energy tax or a carbon tax, done by a ridiculous uh, equation of how much it would take to make that plastic gadget that you just spent 50 bucks on to stick out your ear that gives you brain cancer. Things like that, you see. And um, you will really pay extra bucks for having the privilege, mind you, of uh, using that, and you'll pay extra bucks for the fact that it costs X amount of carbon, supposedly, if it happened to be disposed of or in the production of. And that's what happens to your disposable income. It's truly going to be disposed of through taxes and fees and levies and all the other kinds of things, right down to your home as well, where inspectors will come out to your homes and go around with their gadgets at all your windows and doors and do their thermal readings, and then you're going to get slapped with big massive fines, especially in the country, because they want you off there anyway. And the world they see it in 2030 or so, it's a world where, as I say, we're all crammed into the cities, dying off. Uh, the economy's going down the tubes, healthcare's slashed at the bones, so it's a minimalistic band-aid type thing. And they'll fulfill their agenda as we all quietly die off. And I'm not kidding about that. Why do you think, if you go to ever, any major city that's been around for a hundred years, the roads are falling apart? And all the towns and all the rest of it, they say it would cost more to, to renew that, to fix them, than to, than, than to build a brand new city. Well, they're not going to build brand new cities for you. They are building brand new cities, but not for you. They're, they're building super cities for the wealthy elite already. I might talk, touch on that later about time. But, um, they want you to die off quietly. You know, you'll be happy, mind you. You'll be happy. There'll be lots of sex. They'll probably have lots of bars there. And uh, a sort of sleazy nightlife type of thing for a bit for everybody. And drugs, no doubt. There'll be lots of drugs, cheap drugs, as you all go down into sickness, disease, and famine, which they'll bring on as well at the right time because they plan to do so. Food is a weapon. And if you're, you're not producing and in charge of your own food, you're at the mercy of somebody. You're either the, the, the goodwill of your, your farmer neighbor or the next, the worst next, the, the, I can't see the next best thing, but is your grocery store. Because those guys, believe you me, with all their GMO foods. And I've asked here in Canada, uh, which stuff is GMO and what isn't? They can't tell you. They don't know. No one's asked them. Most folk are already gone. And I don't speak to most folk because uh, they, they've never thought about the world in general. They are quite content being egocentric, living in their own little circle. 
and their little world revolves around them, and they think it'll, live, it'll exist that way forever, of course. And that's how they've been conditioned to think. As long as that TV comes on every night with the same shows that they're familiar with, they're quite happy. Familiar. And I mean it, I, I, kid, I kid you not, you know, I've seen this before in countries in financial depression, where people would not talk about anything except what was on television, as folk were getting laid off in their own streets, because it was almost like bad luck if you talked about it happening. It might happen to you. And they would not talk about it. They just got lost in television, which, of course, are the usual comedy shows and the usual faces, and everything was fun and happy on the TV side of it. And next door, folk were committing suicide. Literally. Everything's been worked out for the psychology of your mind and in mass manipulation and crowd behavior, mass manipulation. Again, there's been so many studies done on you with your computer behavior and all your friends that you, you talk to, uh, about the cell phone and email and all the other text messaging and all the rest of it. I've read them on the air from the universities who get big grants from the Pentagon to do this on you. You don't mind. Most of you don't mind. You carry on and you chat away there. It's so convenient and so quick that you don't mind. There's no privacy. The present generation growing up now don't really care about privacy. So they're gone. And years ago I said, you know, it's not up to the youth coming up to, to fight for this. They, they will be unable to fight for this. The conditioning's been too intense on them. And it's up to those who are a bit older to fight for them, if there's anything worth fighting for at all. Because you think it's all great. They have no idea what they're getting led into. Which is the world of the Borg. I've said that over and over again. You've got all these transhumanists getting funded from the top to try and spread this ridiculous uh, sentiment of, of, of getting uh, metamorphed into, into some kind of cyborg being. They really think they're going to get it done because the masters up there like them or something, or what, you'd be happier, or who knows what. There's your stupid mentality of the very feeble-minded. I've had them call on the show, people who really want this, thinking they're so special they're going to get it. But believe you me, if you do get it, it, you will be the Borg, someone programming you. You're not in charge of your own program. The meeting they had at Loyola University, I think it was the year 2000, I've talked about it a few times, turned out 600 pages on it. And it was kicked off by uh, one of your other politicians, of course. And they talked about the coming hive mentality, where once everyone's chipped, there'll be no more individuality. It'll be a true communitarianism, you see. But there'll be no individuality. It'll be in impossible to even perceive or try to perceive of yourself as a distinct individual. Now, what the scientists from Tokyo said, um, think of it more like the hive. You'll hear whispers of messages being sent by central computers to those around you and to yourself, and the answers coming back. Uh, so you'd hear this whispering in your head, exactly what they showed you in the Star Trek series. Well, if you want to be a Borg, good luck to you. Good luck to you. If life itself is so tough and so uncertain, you'd rather give up your, your ability to be aware of anything, uh, uh, to be sentient of anything. Give it all up for, for this unconscious hive mentality. Go ahead. I wouldn't stop you. 
But unfortunately, you see, they use the masses against those who don't want to. That's why they bring up democracy, even though they say we're in a post-democratic society. They bring it up when it suits them. Well, the rest of them agreed to this, sir. What's your problem? Same with inoculations. Well, you know, 8% took this. What's, what's wrong with you? They love to use that then, don't they? But that's the world we're living in, and it's completely, completely... You know, I, I could read daily stories ad nauseum on, on scary stuff, you see, but I don't because I don't sensationalize. And whatever is put out in the general media is deliberately put out for us to talk about anyway. I'll, I'll pick certain things to, to, to ridicule it and show you the other side of something. That's what, I'll, what I do, basically. I show you the other side of something or add to it to give you a clearer picture, which often is a completely different picture if you just add all the rest of the info to it. But the world we're living in is a scary, scary story. I, 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 was, I watched some disc that was sent to me on experiments that the U.S. government had done on its own citizens with plutonium and strontium-90. And they took black people in the States, the U.S., in the 1950s, uh, diagnosed them with cancers, which they did not have, by the way, and then you see these guys in their, in their big uh, lead suits and with a big syringe, obviously lead as well, injecting this poor guy uh, into a vein, uh, strontium-90, to observe what happened to them. And they meticulously write down the, the, all the symptoms as they begin to break out in rashes and then this happens and that happens. And very interested, you see, like, the, like, it, like it's some kind of sea slug they're dissecting. Uh, these psychopaths get paid for this. In Canada in the 1950s, the U.S. sprayed a cancer-causing agent over Winnipeg on behalf of the U.S. government to test it out on the citizens of Canada. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. What I'm trying to say to you is, people are never in reality, even the ones who think they are. They're so far ahead in what they've done already to society, what they're doing right now and where they're going with it all. They're so far ahead in technology and all the little secret schemes that you'll never know. You'd have to live an extended 50 to 100 years to know what happened in your early life, literally. But... That's what I'm telling you. Your government is not your friend. Never was. It was never, never was your government. It hasn't been for, since the beginning of the 1900s, according to Quigley, or late 1800s. That's, that's for all the British Commonwealth and the US as well. But there's a book put out by Don Scott of Sudbury near me, Ontario. And it's the Brucellosis Triangle. If you wonder why all these incredible, uh, disabling, crippling diseases are out there now when they used to be so incredibly rare. Um, with their fibromyalgia and, and Epstein-Barr syndrome and all the rest of it, it all comes from the experiments of Canada, the States, and Britain from during World War II right to the present time, how they tested it on the public. And it says in this book, in fact, the Brucellosis Triangle, it says the joint undertaking between the three allies to develop and test biological and chemical weapons did not end with the end of World War II. For example, in 1953, Canada agreed to allow the United States to test a new carcinogenic chemical weapon over the city of Winnipeg in Canada. It says, uh, 
um, would any responsible political leader responding to us or recommendations of his military advisors have agreed to such a crime against uh, part of his constituents if there were not an ongoing, albeit uh, covert, agreement to cooperate in such matters? And it's a good book how they, they tested out so many things in Canadians and in the U.S. on their own uh, populations. Um, they, they tested out anthrax in Canada and Alberta. They, they, they let it loose on deer and everything. That spread it elsewhere. They, they came up with something which um, affects deer to this day. Uh, they spread into New York, and, of course, uh, they've got the same problems with uh, New York, too. But these were to test crippling diseases, slow-acting crippling diseases that would affect your immune systems, it would get your immune response system totally uh, neutralized out of the picture so your body couldn't repair itself and you'd have a life of utter misery. That's what they do to their own citizens. They did the same thing in Britain, of course, on, on people there. I've read v- various articles over the years of what they did in, in the UK, and they're doing it today too with the aerial spraying, and they're using, of course, uh, really ELF technologies as well, harp technologies uh, in combination with it. They're so far ahead of anything the media will ever, what the media even knows itself, that you'd have to live an extra 50 to 100 years after you're allocated, you know, four score or in 10 or three score in 10 years to find out what really happened in your own lifetime. But he goes on to document, this is all documented stuff on the, the characters involved in the U.S., Canada, and Britain, and the various things that they introduced into the populations, including making, making many of diseases that did not happen to people across species, how they infected people with Lyme's disease, how they infected them, uh, made, made Lyme's disease airborne, carried by mosquitoes now. And that's, and that's only been announced two years ago that they, they are now in Ontario, a mosquito, uh, mosquitoes carrying that Lyme's disease, the jump from the deer. Um, but they even came up with a, a mad cow disease in World War II, and that's in Deadly Allies by John Bryden. Excellent book to read, declassified information again about the U.S., Canada, and Britain, uh, mainly from 37 to 1947. You've got to read them to see what they've done to the public, and you wonder why they're all sterile. We're just finishing off their job across the world, and then we're not needed anymore, folks. I hope you enjoy your nights. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.